disaster on the new Westminster waterfront. I just couldn't believe that this was happening. I was really sad. The ongoing effort to save what's left of the pier and its massive art installation. Sabotage on the Sea to Sky gondola. This event mirrors last year's event uh, in, in, in a very eerie fashion. The search for whoever cut the cable a second time. And a major derailment near Hope. What spilled and how long it'll take to clean up. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. The damage is immense after a huge and fast-moving fire broke out at New Westminster's Pier Park last night. A large portion of the popular waterfront park is destroyed and the fire is still smoldering. John Wah is live near the pier tonight and John, how much of that area is going to be saved? Well, Chris, on the plus side right now, there is rain that's coming down, which is helping with the toxic smoke that was coming from this fire. But I want to show you what's actually happening to the old section of Pier Park, which is the area that is not going to be salvaged. You can see that the smoke is still coming from that pier deck because there is fire burning underneath where that iconic W sits. Now, throughout the past hour, a C-SPAN Raven tugboat has been coming back and forth, just dousing that platform with water. But at this point, that is just containment. They're actually going to have to break through the deck to get to the fire, and that could take days. The iconic W veiled in a thick, toxic smoke is what many sees as the heart of New Westminster burns from beneath. I just couldn't believe that this was happening. I was really sad. Emergency crews were called to New Westminster Pier Park just before 8 o'clock Sunday evening to reports of a brush fire near the SkyTrain station. Actually, it looked like it was under control and it was just smoking and then about a half an hour after that, the whole pier started blazing. An entire stretch of waterfront no match against the massive fire. Probably out 200, 250 feet, so it's all free burning under there. There's no way to really access it without penetrating the top of it and getting underneath it that way. The flames tearing through highly flammable creosote pilings and decks. A firebreak, the only thing containing the raging blaze to the old section of the pier. It could burn for days if, uh, if we can't get access to it. And that's, uh, that's why we've got uh, some heavy machinery coming in. Damage to part of the $24 million boardwalk that brought new life to the area in 2009 is beyond devastating. When we were out on our balcony yesterday watching it on fire, it, it was heartbreaking and, and I know that heartbreak was uh, really felt by many residents in, in New Westminster. Making matters even worse, the smoke billowing from the scene is a rising health concern. Definitely want to encourage people to stay away from the, the park area and if you are working or living in downtown New Westminster, stay inside as much as possible. The New Westminster Courthouse and three schools were ordered to shut down over the poor air quality. We're going to go over to my sister's place and stay there for uh, for a day, or at least get the kids over there maybe, so that we can keep them safe for, from the, uh, the chemicals. The new Westminster Police Major Crime Unit is investigating, but officials say it's still too early to determine a cause. What is certain, the future of this community favorite? gutted by flames. Pier Park is uh, still going to be an important part in our community, and uh, we don't have a timeline yet, but uh, but we will be rebuilding. That last shot, John, is of the wow sculpture down there. There was some concern that it would topple, but what's the status of it tonight? 
Well, Chris, we did hear Mayor Cote said that he wanted to rebuild Pier Park, and he knows that that wall sculpture is a big part of it, knowing how much it means to the community. Now, we've just been watching that uh, C-SPAN Raven tugboat pelt it with water, so we don't think it's in any imminent risk of collapsing, but it will have to be taken down and hopefully relocated before they start tearing down that pier deck to get to the fire. Chris? A lot of work ahead. Okay, thanks very much, John, and good luck to the firefighters down there tonight. Stunned disbelief in Squamish tonight as police investigate another unthinkable act of vandalism for the second time in just over a year. Someone cut the main cable of the Sea to Sky gondola, sending cars crashing to the ground. Grace Key is live in Squamish tonight. Grace, thankfully, it was closed at the time. But the big question is, how could this have happened again? Yeah, and that's what uh, police are trying to investigate right now. So throughout the day, they had the area uh, secured as various agencies and police dogs uh, took there to the hill as they tried to find any clues. For the second time in just over a year, someone has deliberately cut the cable on the Sea to Sky gondola in Squamish, sending cabins crashing to the ground. This event mirrors last year's event uh, in, in, in a very eerie fashion. So the mechanism, uh, the time, all of it uh, very closely reflects what happened last year. The first incident was on August 2019. In both cases, the downhill cable was cut. This time, someone triggered an alarm, and they may have been caught on new security cameras. It happened at 4 in the morning, the crash waking up nearby campers. It was pretty much trees falling and metal sound, metal noise. How loud was it? Enough loud to wake me up, I would say. Several weeks ago, two people tripped the alarm when they attempted to climb one of the towers. They didn't have any cutting tools, but investigators will be revisiting that incident. Throughout the day, police secured the area, but the wildfire smoke is posing a challenge. The smoke, it's very difficult uh, to do a search at this time. Um, so we're doing it bit by bit and foot by foot. Uh, we're up there just looking to see what we can find. Um, if there's anybody still up in that area, we have the dogs section is up here. After the first incident, they reopened on Valentine's Day with 30 new cars and a new four-kilometer cable. They expect the same amount of damage this time, but the cable may be salvageable. They understand their importance in the community, and our community understands their place and how much we're going to need to work together to recover a second time. There's worse things going on in the world. We're not going to contribute to that. We don't want sympathy. We may need your support, but we will do this, and we'll get back up and running, better protected than before, and willing and able and eager to greet people once again. Well, asked if anyone took responsibility for today's incident, RCMP said they didn't have any information on that at the time. Uh, General Manager also saying they're looking at putting up physical barriers, possibly around the towers. He also mentioned the possibility of a reward, and he'll have more information on that later. Chris? All right. Thanks very much. Grace Key and Squamish for us tonight. Two men are now facing charges after an attempted theft in Abbotsford led to a police shooting on Friday. Andrew Edmonds and John Moon are charged with theft, using a disguise to commit an indictable offense, and assaulting a peace officer with a weapon. Moon, who remains in police custody in hospital, is also accused of possessing a weapon for a dangerous purpose. On Friday afternoon, police responded to an attempted theft at the Abbotsford Cabela's store. When an officer confronted the two suspects, one allegedly rammed her with a shopping cart and pepper sprayed her. 
Both suspects fled, but one returned and is accused of pepper spraying the officer a second time and assaulting her. The officer drew her pistol and shot the suspect, and BC's police watchdog will be investigating the incident. Turning now to COVID-19 and the new numbers in B.C., and it's the bleakest day we've seen in a while. There are three reporting periods. We have 317 new confirmed cases. That's 137 Friday, 119 Saturday, and 61 through Sunday morning, which brings our total to 7,279. Sadly, we lost six more people which means 219 have now died from complications of the virus. 58 people are in hospital. That's a jump of nine. 16 of them are in ICU, an increase of six there. 5,446 people are considered fully recovered, leaving us with 1,594 active cases and 3,047 people in isolation. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria. Keith, we knew the case number was likely to be high here on a Monday, mm -hmm. but that is quite a jump in hospitalizations, too. Yeah, and deaths as well. You know, I said on Twitter, like in the situation, imagine if there was a terrible event this past weekend that killed six people, put nine people in hospital, and put six of those people in the ICU. I think people would be shocked at such an event occurring, but that is not what's happening. The hospitalization numbers are creeping up. It was 31 last week on this day, Monday. Now we're at 58. That's the biggest jump in months. I put some questions to Dr. Bonnie Henry about that today. She says, with more COVID being picked up, this was anticipated, but it's also a reason why we all have have to take a giant step back. Here's Dr. Henry. As we get more cases, the chances of getting spillover into people who are more vulnerable, people who are more likely to have severe illness and end up in hospital is going up. And we are seeing that. Um, and this is why I said, you know, we need to we need to take a step back and reset and make sure that we're ready for the fall and that we're doing those things that we know work to protect our seniors and our elders. Well, Keith, we all know communication is key. Do you know if, with these latest increases, if health officials might start holding more in-person briefings again? It's under consideration, but it's not going to happen yet. I just talked to Health Minister Adrian Dix about this. Uh, we talked about, remember, at the beginning, it was six, six briefings a week, six days a week. Uh, there is a consideration, perhaps, of renewing that Saturday briefing that Dr. Henry held a, on her own for some time. But we're not there yet. But if these case numbers continue to increase, we likely will see more briefings. One thing uh, Minister Dix told me, if there is an election call, and it's, like, it's possible, it's not necessarily likely, he will take a step back and he will not be part of these briefings. It would be Dr. Bonnie Henry on her own. But again, we're not there yet. All right. Keith in Victoria. Thanks very much. The smoky haze continues to be another health hazard and Canada Post is suspending mail delivery until air quality in central and southern BC improves. An air quality advisory remains in place for much of the province as thick smoke from those forest fires in western U.S. states continues to blanket BC. Canada Post says the current conditions are not safe for mail carriers. Delivery has been halted in Metro Vancouver, the Fraser Valley, most of Vancouver Island, the Interior, Okanagan, and the Kootenai region. And while the thick blanket of wildfire smoke is expected to linger over much of B.C. for a couple of more days, it's also ignited another controversy in B.C. education. Ahead of the first full day of classes, the B.C. Teachers Federation sent out a tweet telling its members to call in sick if they were feeling any ill effects from the smoke. Richard Zussman has the reaction. 
Closed windows and doors advice to stay inside. This is what the first full day of school looked like for many kids in Metro Vancouver and Southern Vancouver Island. I was worried, but it is very important for them to go to school. I just got used to it by now because it's been smoky for so long. It actually just feels like kind of one more thing for 2020. Many schools have been trying to get kids outside to cut down on COVID-19 risks, but the smoke making that very difficult. And as the Greater Victoria Teachers Association calling for schools to be closed until the heavy smoke passes. The current air index is 10 plus. Then with the added mitigating factor of COVID-19, it's, it's, it's not safe for students to be at school. The BC Teachers Federation sending this tweet partly reads BC Ed teachers. If you're feeling ill tomorrow, you should book a sick day. And many outdoor activities were moved indoors. Just this mad scramble of trying to replan all these activities in a way that will not comply with the district's exposure control plan. The advice from public health was to keep schools open and limit physical activity outdoors, as well as put in other precautions. We want to increase uh, ventilation if we have that. There's filters that can be used in some schools. Not all schools have that ability. School District 61 in Victoria had looked at whether it was feasible to close schools due to the smoke, but decided to keep them open. Kids were sent outside to play. Those with breathing difficulties and asthma were watched carefully due to the outdoor conditions. This comes after both Johnson Heights Secondary and Panorama Ridge School in Surrey had people in the school setting with COVID, both considered low risk for spread, but leads to the still unanswered question, how many schools province-wide have similar situations? Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Well, meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us uh, with more on the smoky conditions. Yvonne, a slight improvement in air quality today. Did the rain have anything to do with it? Slight, but not enough of a system that's going to flush it out. We are still seeing the air quality advisories blanketing across the province for the following areas that are in grey. And we are going to continue to see uh, poor air quality and limited visibility right across the board. Now, here's a quick glance at the smoke forecast and what we can anticipate, especially over the next 12 to 24 hours. So we are going to see still that push with the southeasterly wind that's moving right across the region. Now, as we anticipate Wednesday, that'll be another day with widespread smoke. The potential for a change on the wane, a Light improvement in the air quality may come late day Thursday. And as we look ahead towards our Friday, I'll have more coming up very shortly. Chris? Yeah, and the PE Prize Home draw. So we'll check in with you uh, for that as well. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Well, it's Variety Week here on Global BC. All week, we're going to be sharing the stories of kids with special needs across the province and how Variety is there to help. And you can help these kids too. The ticker you'll see at the bottom of your screen right now will carry the names of generous global viewers. And this week, your donations will be doubled up to $500,000 thanks to an incredible challenge from Strand Development and Townline Homes who are on board to help us this week. So please call 310KIDS right now or go online to variety.bc.ca. We have a lot of kids to help and we know you can help us do that. 60 rail cars off the tracks right next to the Fraser River. Er, River. It, it was a Hail Mary, so we just said, okay, if we're going to do this, let's just think about how we could do this. Local kids convinced their idol, superstar astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, to join them on their podcast. Why he said yes, coming up. 
And in a mountain of financial trouble, outdoor retail giant MEC is sold. The new owner later on the news hour. Right now, though, stunning drone footage shows the extent of damage after a big train derailment near Hope this morning. No one was hurt when at least 60 cars jumped the track. Many of them plunged to a creek bed below, spilling their cargo everywhere. Catherine Urquhart shows us the wreckage. Twisted remains of rail cars are strewn across several hundred meters. The aftermath of a train derailment near Hunter Creek, west of Hope. It happened early Monday morning. I can't believe it. It's totally disastrous. It's incredible what's happened. A whole bunch of piled up uh, cars, potash cars, potash leaking out. One car is off the bridge. Well, it's hanging off the bridge. Initially, CN said at least 20 cars were involved. But later in the day, said approximately 60 cars had gone off the tracks. Some of them plunged over a rail bridge and into the water below. All were carrying potash, and the highly visible red substance can be seen throughout the derailment zone. I was a conductor, so I'm trying to scratch my head what happened, and I can't figure it out yet. No one was hurt in the derailment. CN isn't commenting on what may have gone wrong, saying it's under investigation. The Transportation Safety Board is also investigating, along with the DFO and Environment and Climate Change Canada. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Up next, Vancouver's radical plan to make homes more affordable and a new set of rules to protect condo owners from those skyrocketing insurance rates. And also later, the new leader of the B.C. Greens and why she doesn't think B.C. needs another election right now. It's been a pretty easy commute onto the North Shore this evening. No delays for westbound Highway 1 through the Cassiar, and you're moving full speed onto the Ironworkers. And southbound is the same on the Ironworkers, and then eastbound Highway 1, full speed through the tunnel. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Walmarts and the Real Canadian Superstores throughout BC. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com. Open every day. I'm Don Powers in the Global Traffic Centre. Vancouver's mayor is introducing a motion he claims will make housing more affordable for middle-income earners. The Making Home Program, as it's called, would allow up to four market homes on a standard single-family lot, provided up to two of the homes are reserved for households earning $80,000 a year. Kennedy Stewart says almost 60% of residential neighborhoods are reserved for homes only the elite can afford. And he wants to build more small-scale multifamily homes. If approved, the pilot project would launch in 2021 on up to 100 properties. Nearly a year after Strata owners noticed skyrocketing insurance premiums, the province has announced new measures to increase transparency and protection. As Ted Chernecki reports, some are welcoming the changes, but many wonder if it will actually bring down costs. Insiders say Strata Insurance has never been really profitable and compared to single-family home insurance, a relative bargain on a per-square-foot basis. That's part of what's driving the soaring insurance rates. Jason Kurtz welcomes today's changes because currently it can be very unfair to Strata owners. We have clients who have received their renewal terms the day of renewal, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., with the policy set to renew at, at midnight, and those clients didn't have an opportunity to budget or prepare for 
the large increases that they're seeing in both the premiums and the deductibles. So effective immediately, there is a ban on referral fees to strata property managers, a practice that isn't thought to be widespread. And as of November 1st, there's a $25,000 fine for insurance agents who don't reveal their commissions and 50000 for companies. Also, 30 days' notice must be given to strata corporations of changes to insurance policies. Even that, some say, is nowhere near long enough. Especially with COVID, it's very difficult to get, get those meetings together uh, of owners right now. Raising funds, if a strata corporation doesn't have sufficient cash on hand, will usually take longer than 30 days. Whether the changes will actually result in savings to the homeowner is debatable. The cost increases associated are really symptoms of a lot of conditions. They're symptoms of a, of a lot of claims associated in the worldwide market, a hard insurance market, and it generally takes one to three years for that market to really modify and, and, and settle out so it's a bit more competitive. Some hope it won't, but fear it could actually lead to higher premiums because there are too few insurance players in this market. There is a concern amongst many of our clients and stakeholders within the industry that insurance companies will decide that it's no longer worth doing business here in British Columbia. While key players say much more needs to be done, the fact is the insurance business is run by private companies who need to make a profit. There's only so much government can do. Ted Chernaki, Global News. All right, everybody, get your P&E prize home tickets ready. It's the moment all of you have been waiting for. Time for the draw, live now from the P&E. Good evening, so British Columbia. I'm Shelley Frost, president and CEO of the P&E, and we are ready to draw the winning ticket for the 2020 P&E prize home. Tonight, in honor of the 4,300 union and excluded staff that make the PE the creative and resilient organization it is, I'd like to invite our longest serving employee, Debbie Leishon, who just worked her 53rd fair with us during this summer's PE drive through fair, to pull the lucky ticket. Debbie. Once Debbie pulls the. Once Debbie pulls the winning ticket, she will read the number out loud for verification. 2213598. The winning ticket is now being authenticated by our lottery officials, and then we're going to phone the winner. So if you brought a ticket for this year's Peony Prize Home, we could be calling you. And if your phone is ringing, I'd suggest you take that call. 86 years ago, the p and &E was the first and only organization in North America to raffle off a home. It was meant to showcase BC trades and technology and to create some hope as we emerged from the Great Depression. Fast forward to 2020, and the p and &E Prize Home was once again a beacon, and a beacon of a hopeful future, even during the COVID pandemic. This year, we really appreciated your support of the p and &E Prize Home Lottery more than ever. We recognize that British Columbia saw the lottery as a way to support the PE during a really, really challenging year and to help us make sure that this incredible institution could remain strong for another 100 years. So thank you, British Columbia. Thank you for helping us make tonight possible. Earlier today, we gave away 17 amazing prizes. That included five $5,000 travel vouchers courtesy of Air Transat, five luxury BMWs from Brian Jessel BMW, five cash prizes, a custom Harley-Davidson motorcycle package from Trev Dealey Motorcycles, an ultimate Pemberton getaway experience, 
And this afternoon, I got to give the great news to our 50-50 winner from Langley, who was awarded half of the jackpot, totaling over $671,000. So all of the excitement has built up to this moment, the draw for the 2020 p and &E Prize Home. The grand prize package includes luxury mountain chalet and net zero ready home designed by Freeport Industries that will be located up in Sunstone, Pemberton. Unfortunately, we were not able to get the winner on the line, although I love being able to talk to a winner live. So I am pleased to announce that the winner of the 2020 Peony Prize Home is from Pemberton. The winner's name is Kim Fritz from Pemberton. That's so exciting. <laughs> Congratulations, Kim. And thank you, British Columbia. We will be in touch with Kim to give her all of the great details. We're sorry that we couldn't catch her on the phone, but we do look forward to being able to get together and gather with you all again very soon. Thank you, British Columbia. Thank you for being a part of tonight. Good night and be safe. All right, there you have it. The PE Prize Home has been awarded to Kim Fritz of Pemberton. What a coincidence, because the prize home is going to be located uh, in a mountainside community in Pemberton. So congratulations to Kim Fritz. If you know her, give her a call and tell her that she's won because the PE folks were not able to reach her. All right, moving on to the news of the day. Iconic but struggling Canadian outdoor retailer Mountain Equipment Co-op has been sold. MEC has been acquired by Los Angeles-based private investment firm Kingswood Capital Management. As part of the deal, MEC will no longer be operated as a member-owned cooperative. MEC was founded in Vancouver back in 1971. Right now it has more than 5 million members and 22 stores across Canada. In Health Matters tonight, six of Canada's medical groundbreakers, including a BC doctor who pioneered HIV-AIDS treatments, are being honored by Canada Post. Dr. Julio Mant uh, Montaner will be featured on one of the five new stamps being launched as the world looks to medical research to discover a proven COVID-19 vaccine. Montaner's research helped transform HIV-AIDS into a manageable condition with a near-normal life expectancy. It has also helped greatly reduce HIV transmission. And congratulations to Dr. Man Montaner. Well, it isn't easy being a kid or a parent trying to navigate through the current return to school plan. It's even more challenging if your child has a special need. So today, as we begin Variety Week, the story of Madison, a child with autism, shows how your donations can make a huge difference. Here's Sarah McDonald. Thanks to everybody. You guys did such a great job wearing your masks yesterday in yes. the school and in the class. Kenneth Gordon Maplewood School is modeled for success in COVID times. The private school in North Vancouver has small class sizes, high teacher-to-student ratios, and a focus on mental wellness that helps to make kids and parents feel safe at school. Counseling and, and uh, social-emotional support are incredibly important here. So for many of our students come in here and they're just not available for learning yet uh, for social-emotional reasons. And add the COVID overlay to that and the, the general angst we have in society uh, as a whole, that's a critical component for us for kids to be successful. Variety provided tuition funding for Madison, one of those students deemed not available for learning. At the end of grade two in the public system, the young girl with autism spectrum disorder could still not read or write. Her special needs 
principal also told me that she was unteachable and that I was wasting my time and breath. At Kenneth Gordon, Madison found hope. It saved her life. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. She's not the same kid that left public school. She's grown. She can read and she can write and she can count now and do math. And those are big things for us. What did you say when you said to us the first time that you went to the school, you said, I'm finally with kids like me. (laughs) So she knew when she went to the school that she was with children just like her that all had learning needs that need to be met. Kids should not fall through the cracks of the education system. And with new COVID protocols, that scenario is even more likely. Variety wants to ensure that every child has the opportunity to thrive and succeed, even in these turbulent times. We know she's safe when she goes to school. We know she's safe when she gets on her bus. Hey, I love you. So she's got hopes and dreams. She didn't have that before. And right now there are 20 kids waiting for your help with tuition or tutoring, just like Madison. Your donations can ensure that these kids get the education that they need. So please, if you can, call 310KIDS or go online to variety.bc.ca and donate now. Great to see Madison doing so well. Another health note for you, a big announcement by the province today about screening for one of the most deadly cancers. B.C. Premier John Horgan and Health Minister Adrian Dix launched a new lung cancer screening program in B.C. It's the first of its kind in the country and is expected to be running by spring 2022, screening as many as 20,000 patients a year. About six people die every day from lung cancer in B.C. The program is expected to detect lung cancer earlier and help patients get early intervention, which has much better recovery outcomes. Still to come on the news hour, young podcasters score a superstar guest. I didn't believe it for the longest time. How Vancouver High School students Max and Zach got Neil deGrasse Tyson to join them. And in sports, Squire shows us the spectacular start to the season for Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. I'm Don Powers in the Global Traffic Center taking a look at the Lionsgate Bridge. It's in really great shape. Two lanes for southbound traffic taking off the North Shore. One for northbound seeing a bit of a slowdown through the Stanley Park Causeway from just beside Lost Lagoon, but it does open up on the bridge deck. Kermack Collision and Auto Glass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermack. For location information, visit Kermack.com. I'm Don Powers in the Global Traffic Center. Is there life floating in the clouds of Venus? Astronomers aren't ruling it out yet. We'll tell you why after Yvonne's forecast. And she's down at the PNE where it's raining. Yes, it seemed like summer ended in a heartbeat, Yvonne. 
Yeah, it's a, a little wave of moisture that's moved in. Uh, the Peony Prize home as well. Quick correction. Uh, the winner is Fritz Kim. So Fritz Kim, they're trying to get a hold of you. Hopefully we'll be able to come down to see the prize home either tonight or possibly tomorrow. And we'll have a, an update on that coming up, in very, I'm sure, very shortly. All right. Here's a look at the tower cam and what we're looking at. We've been socked in with that smoke with limited visibility, poor air quality. And we'll see a very similar picture over the next few days. But there may be a slight improvement in the air quality in the long range. And I'll show you the reason why just a moment. Here's the weather picture that many have seen over the past 12 to 24 hours. This photo was captured in Peachland, so thank you so much, Lindley. Now, a glance at what we are going to anticipate. The radar, we can see that wave of rain will continue overnight and for the early morning hours when you're heading out to work or school, and then it is going to ease off through the day, and we'll continue to see the smoke once again across the south coast. There's the weather maker that is pushing in offshore that's going to move in. It's a very weak system, not enough to flush out the smoke across the region, and the winds will remain light. We've had the southerly flow that's been pumping in the smoke across the province and we'll likely continue to see that we need a real shift or some outflow winds with a significant system to move in to help to clear things out. Smoke forecast we can see that it intensifies especially for the southeastern corners of the province. The northern half tomorrow 18 as the high will have that smoke widespread for the central and southern interior. Temperatures tomorrow will be bumping up for a few spots but still it is a touch cooler with the smoke highs up to 26 for example for areas near the Thompson Okanagan. Whistler tomorrow will be up to 18 degrees. All areas across the south coast, we are going to be seeing a few showers, isolated for the morning hours. The next weather maker that may give us a nice improvement from the smoke will be Thursday late in the day and leading in towards the Friday. And it is going to be a touch cooler, especially as we get in towards the weekend. All right, Chris, uh, Peony Prize home draw tonight. We're looking for Fritz Kim. So congratulations to him. And he's also from Pemberton. Fritz Kim, no doubt a name that's been confusing a lot of people as uh, as he goes through life. We thought it was Kim Fritz <laughs> earlier. We now know it's Fritz Kim. All right, hopefully his phone's ringing off the hook now. Thanks very much, Yvonne. All right, astronomers have detected an indicator of possible life floating in the clouds of Venus. That indicator is a gas in the atmosphere called phosphine in an amount they can't quite explain. Researchers didn't discover actual life forms, but noted that on Earth, at least, phosphine is only produced by bacteria thriving in oxygen-starved environments. Astronomers have speculated for decades that life could exist in Venus's high clouds, and the detection of phosphine could point to such extraterrestrial aerial life. It's about 500 degrees and rains sulfuric acid on Venus. It's not a place... I'd ever want to visit, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, but houses are cheap there. Because uh, how, yeah, real estate's cheap. That's <laughs> very cheap. <laughs> a big patch of land there. Uh, all right, Squires here with a look ahead to sports. Yes, uh, Russell Wilson is at least one NFL player who didn't need any exhibition games to get ready for the regular season. He is such a marvelous football player. You just got to put him in positions uh, to, to give him a chance, and, and then stuff happens. He threw four touchdown passes yesterday against Atlanta as the Seahawks offense took to the air. Spectacular. Also tonight, a couple of self-described science nerds land the guest of a lifetime on their local podcast. That story coming up, too. All right, Squires here with sports. Squires signing great players is good if you can get them to play. They need to be on the field, don't they? White Cavs haven't had a lot of luck with a designated player. They get something out of him, but it never seems to last very long. They paid around $5 million, maybe $6 million, to get striker Lucas Cavallini 
out of Mexico, but I'm sure they're feeling right now that they're not getting full value for that money. Obviously, this is a weird year, but he has only one goal. And on Wednesday against Montreal, he won't get the play because he got red carded last night against Montreal. They're playing two in a row. He already had a yellow when this happened. Now, I don't know, and I don't think this was deliberate, but you should get your left foot out of the way so you don't kick the opposing goalie in the forehead. So this was one thing. But when you're the highest paid white cap ever and you're the man, you probably shouldn't be doing this after you get that second yellow. So we'll see if the uh, MLS does anything more to Cavallini because of what happened after he got kicked out last night. All right. The uh, Knights have to win three in a row to make the Stanley Cup final. They're down 3-1 to Dallas. This is game five. And they will score first. Chandler Stevenson from Theodore. It's that way going into the third period as Vegas tries to stay alive. Well, it's an upside-down year. We all know that. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have decided to uh, run an upside-down offense. At least they did yesterday. Instead of leading with the run, they took to the skies for a 38-25 win over Atlanta. Wilson looked like he had the cheat codes in a video game. 31 of 35 with four touchdown passes. Even when the Seahawks were in running range of the end zone, they threw the ball. Off the fake, Wilson rolling, dumps it to the goal line for Carson, and it's a touchdown. And Russell was in a mood to share. Nine different Seahawks caught passes. You know, I think we wanted to um, spread the ball around, get the ball a lot of different guys. You know, we, we wanted to be, um, to, to be aggressive in our approach just in general. And the play that demonstrated that yearning for aggressiveness was a fourth down bomb the DK Metcalf. Wilson wants it all. Deep ball. Metcalf got it. Touchdown Seattle. You know, to be honest with you, we, they, they made a good stop on third down and they were all celebrating. And so we kind of just looked at, at the sideline. I was like, okay, well, let's go after him. That's Russ. You know, that's Russ just making the most of the opportunity. And I think it was a good, really good illustration of that. And, uh, you know, to execute like that under that circumstance is what we really hope to see. And uh, first game out, you know, gave him a shot, went for it, and, and uh, you know, up it goes. There is Abbotsford's Chase Claypool. Watch his first ever catch in the NFL tonight from Ben Roethlisberger. The percentage of making that catch, pretty low. But he gets it, one foot in bounds, two feet in bounds. It's a good way to start your career. You're going to get on Ben's good side that way. All right, Steelers-Giants, and uh, twice tonight, Juju Smith-Schuster has scored a touchdown, and he wants to get up and close and personal with you. There you go. Take a load off. Yeah. Take a rest. There you are. Chase Claypool, like, never drops the ball. Yeah, didn't he? He's, he's like, that's his thing. Well, he's big. He can get the ball. That was the big thing. He can get the high balls. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean drinks. I mean balls that are up there. Right. Yeah. Balls that are up there. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Squire. Here's Jay Durant with a preview of Global News at 11. Jay. Thanks, Chris. We'll have more tonight on the sale of iconic Vancouver-based outdoor retailer MEC to American interests. Plus, that controversial mural in Victoria's Bastion Square has been defaced. We'll let you know who police are looking for and the message that was left. And more than 800 B.C. firefighters heading to the U.S. to help with the massive wildfires there. We'll hear from the Premier on that. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11, Chris. Look forward to that. Okay, thanks very much, Jay. And still to come, local high schoolers get a personal lesson from celebrity scientist Neil deGrasse Tyson. Stick around.
A couple of Vancouver high school science fanatics are over the moon tonight after one of the world's best-known scientists agreed to be on their podcast. Sonia Deal shows us how they landed him and what they learned from it. When Vancouver high school friends Max and Zach started their own podcast during the pandemic lockdown, it was to talk about Star Wars and their favorite subject, science. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Max here. Zach, how's it going? I'm doing good today, Max. How are you? A few episodes in, they decide to shoot for the moon and invite A-list celebrity scientist Neil deGrasse Tyson to be a guest on their show. Went to his Twitter, found that he had a link to his own website. Just kind of went on the website. We found a contact button and I was like, oh man, this is it. They emailed their hero, thinking nothing of it. But the very next day, the world's most famous scientist emails them back and says yes. I didn't believe it for the longest time. I thought it was I had to be some sort of bot. And then when he finally joined the call and we saw his face and saw him talk, it finally lo- went in my head and it's like, oh my God, this is real. The podcast called To The Max has just been uploaded. Topics ranging from the future of humanity to life on Mars. On Mars, uh, by the way, if you go there um, and we have humans on more than one planet, I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, I think what's more realistic is that we'll turn Mars into a vacation spot. And from what I can tell, he's a really, really nice guy. The star also telling the boys the reason he came onto their show was because his science icon, the legendary Carl Sagan, made time for a conversation with him when he was a young boy. He said, wow, someone this famous talked to me. And if I ever get close to being that famous, I have to pay it back. And even though this is huge, Max and Zach are already working on getting their next guest, making a pitch for the most famous scientist in BC. Dr. Bonnie Henry, if you would like to join us on the podcast... We'll be glad to have you. We'll be really happy to have you. Sonia Deal, Global News. I wouldn't count it out. I I think she watches the NewsHour, Squire. All right, uh, thanks to all of our generous donors tonight as we wrap things up, especially to RBC, who donated to support kids with special needs all across the province so we can eliminate that 300-child wait list Variety, uh, Variety currently has. Right now, Global Viewers and RBC together have helped 80 kids with more than $200,000 in donations. That's incredible, and we are so thankful. Keep calling. 300 kids need your help. And remember, donations are being matched all week, so you can double your money when you call in. Just uh, kids, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, last word on weather before we go, Yvonne. Uh, showers overnight and into the early morning hours. We're still seeing smoke across the area and a chance sure. to clear things up Thursday, Friday. Sure are. Okay, thanks very much uh, for joining us, everybody. And remember, Variety Week continues all week. We'll see you tomorrow.